When I was at the Cathedral of Hope, uh, we often talked about the Lenten creep. And that was that as we moved into Lent, the, the scriptures got longer and longer. And so it would seem that our worship service got longer and longer. I, we tried to avoid that today by taking out things and so we can hear the fullness of this scripture because it is an amazing story. It's one of the longer stories of our faith. Uh, and um, on the surface of it all, this week's story is about illness, healing, sin, something we don't tend to like to talk about, and calling. And since the word pandemic is still on many of our hearts, uh, it's worth underscoring that the story opens with Jesus rejecting the idea that illness is punishment for sin. I'm going to say that again. Jesus rejects the idea that illness is punishment for sin. And yet, all of us, when we befall the circumstances of illness, oftentimes will say, what have I done that this has caused this to happen to me, you know? So we still have that lingering idea that somehow uh, our, our health and wellness is connected to something we have done or left undone. And we often also, in, in Scripture, as we did last week, talk about how women uh, go unnamed in the Bible. And it is rampant that women don't get names. They get attached to uh, a male, as in Noah and his wife, uh, or they just don't get a name, as we learned last week in the story of the woman at the well. She, she never actually gets named. Well, here's a story also where a man does not get a name. We read 41 verses, and the man is never named, and I can only believe that he is not named because of the belief that if you had a physical ailment or problem, which blindness was seen as a problem, then it's because you've sinned. And so you don't get named. You, you're outside the, the approved of people, right? And, and so he doesn't get a name. Many scholars believe that the writer of the Gospel of John tells this story in a way that doubles as a symbolic account of how John's own community decades after Jesus' death, was expelled from Jerusalem and from their Jewish community because they followed Jesus. This was a painful turn of events for these early disciples because they considered themselves genuinely Jewish and followers of a genuinely Jewish rabbi. Well, Underneath the surface of this story, then, is a story of insiders and outsiders and the pain and disappointment of feeling excluded. And I have to say, there are plenty of us worshiping today that know that feeling, don't we? Of being pushed out, marginalized, excluded for who we love or for what we believe or even for the fact that we just asked a lot of questions. Lots of reasons people get rejected. And if you didn't guess from today's readings, this reading has six dramatic acts. 
six portions. Act one, the disciples begin it all, and, and I want you to notice how many questions get asked in this scripture. We're, we're a congregation that loves questions. We think it's part of how we grow in our faith, how we learn. And we don't reject questions and say that, no, this is the absolute answer. We talk about questions unleashing the Holy Spirit so that we can be, uh, so we can grow in our faith. Well, this scripture is filled with everybody asking questions. It begins with the disciples who started all by saying, uh, asking if this man is blind because his parents sinned or because he sinned. And we get the resounding no from Jesus. This isn't why this man is blind. It's not about sin. It's about the glory of God, revealing the glory of God. So the second act then uh, includes... Uh, now, bef before we move to the second act, I, I need to say the next thing that happens is Jesus... Uh, takes a little dirt and spits in it and makes a, uh, a paste out of it and puts it on this guy's eyes. I don't know about you, but that's a little creepy to me, but, uh, but and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Okay, listen, you can't miss this, can you? We can't miss that taking the dust of the earth and making something of it do you remember a story about God taking the dust of the earth and making something of it like humanity? And then go wash in this pool of Siloam that means scent. So are we missing the allusion to baptism that you go wash and you're made clean and all, 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 you can see? And then that the pool is named scent because as we get to the end of the story, we will discover that this unwanted, marginalized, rejected human being is called and is sent as a disciple. It's, a power, it's powerful imagery in this story. That's act one. Act two is uh, he, this man returns to the community healed, seeing, and the neighbors now get into the questioning. Is this not the guy that was blind? from birth and now he sees what's going on here and he says I'm him it's me and Jesus healed me and he explains how that happened and then in act three here come the Pharisees <laughs> you know here come the Pharisees and the neighbors take this man to the Pharisees and and the Pharisees uh want to know how this man gained his sight how did he gain his sight and the man says uh well Jesus healed me and all the Pharisees can say about that is Jesus is a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath. They are eaten up with the rules, aren't they? Just eaten up by them. They can't even see that this man can now see, right? Act 4, a disbelie disbelieving the story of the man born blind, the Pharisees now call on the parents of the man and question them. Was he actually born blind? Is this your son who, who you say was born blind? Then how does he now see? Well, they testify, yes, he's our son. But they don't know how he was healed. You see, they are so afraid of the system. 
they are so afraid that they will be rejected because of their child, right? I don't know any parents like that. <laughs> yeah, well, plenty of parents like that. So afraid of the system that they, it's, it's one of the most tragic moments in this sad, sad story here. Act five, we're back with the Pharisees again, who now have to ask the same questions over again. And the man confronts him saying, I've already told you this. Do you want to be his disciple too? I love that, that he confronts them and then says, you must want to follow Jesus too, is that right? Can you imagine how pruney their faces got after that? And then in Acts 6, the man is cast out of the synagogue. And it says that Jesus goes to find him. And if him, when we are ostracized and hurting, unsupported and rejected, isn't it true that Jesus would come seeking us as well? And as he did with the woman at the well, he shares with the man who he is, the chosen one of God. And the man says, Lord, I believe. And then for the finale. And the story concludes with two interesting statements by Jesus. I came into this world for judgment so that those who do not see may see and those who do see may become blind. That's just hard to hear because most of us see pretty good. And we're tempted to uh, point our fingers at the Pharisees because we would be on the right side of things, don't you know? And then he says, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. To which we may respond as the Pharisees did, surely not. Surely not us. Surely we are not blind. Or are we? This is a story about many sorts of not seeing. And for us, the question is, will we, like the story's religious authorities, get bogged down in questions? Such as whether the physical healing is genuine or like the disciples who get so distracted by questions of the past sin that they miss the opportunity to participate in God's works here and now. Or the questions about whether the rules are followed. That's my favorite thing. Whether the rules are followed, missing the point of God's expansive grace. At its core, this is a story about Jesus creatively gracefully calling an excluded outsider. And, and he didn't have to heal him to bring him into community, to make him part of a whole. But it helps in that culture because of the way disabilities were seen. So this, young, this man becomes not just a follower, but a person sent. And the word is a word that means apostle. 
to go wash, be baptized in the pool of Siloam. Sent by Jesus and as an exalted apostle, witnessing to the work and word of Jesus in the world. And if we miss this essential point in the storyline, we'll miss the point and we'll misinterpret the world around us in similar ways. Obsessed with inessential controversies and the supposed sin of others, we'll miss the way of life Jesus invites us to, a life of reconciliation and redemption and transformation. Clergy colleague, Reverend Jim Somerville, who is pastor of First Church of Richmond, Virginia, tells about a period of time when he was pastoring in Washington, D.C. And he um, remembered coming out up out of the subway at DuPont Circle. And he was on his way up the escalator, and a man was coming down the escalator wearing dark glasses and a leather jacket and enough tattoos and body piercings to make it actually hard to see what he looked like. And Jim said he gulped and thought. Now there's one of God's favorites. He explained that he didn't know what had caused him to think that, but it had an immediate effect on him. All of a sudden, he didn't think the guy looked dangerous at all. Rather, he saw him as one of God's favorites. And he said, I smiled when I passed him on the escalator. And was it my imagination, or did he smile back? As he continued his two-block walk to the church, he decided to try his thought on every person he passed. There's one of God's favorites. And on every person, the same thing happened. I saw them in a different way, he said, than I had only a moment earlier. I wonder if that is what it's like to really see, to have your eyes opened, to see people as God's favorites. Years ago, and some of you will remember this, my dear friend and Enneagram teacher Suzanne Sabeel preached for us at New Church when we were over in the Preston Road location. I don't remember the story she told, but I do remember the end of the story. To be able to look at someone who is difficult or ostracized or rejected and be able to say, she's a pearl. He's a pearl. And here's the thing. You're a pearl. You're a pearl too. You are one of God's favorites too. Not just a follower of Jesus, but one of his that is sent. Thanks be to God.